the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Senator, glad you could join us here. Senator Cotton is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And the Godfather, too, you know, the people just wanted to get their beaks wet. Said that Hunter evidently got his beak uh, soaked. <laughs> That's uh, well said. Um, yeah, I think the plea bargain that was offered to Hunter Biden can't be characterized as anything other than a sweetheart deal for the president's son. Um, cause they don't touch on the most serious allegations against Hunter Biden, which is the corruption as well as potential bribery. And, and remember, this has never been about Hunter Biden, who's obviously a, a troubled soul, but this is rather about the Biden family using Joe Biden's public positions to trade uh, uh, favors and peddle influence. It, it's not just Hunter Biden. I mean, it's his brother and his sister and others as well. Those are the most serious allegations. That's what the House of Representatives is investigating. That's what I think most Arkansans would expect us to investigate. Uh, but I think what Merrick Garland, uh, a highly politicized attorney general, has done here is try to let the media let the media ignore it all for the next 18 months. Okay, what really concerns me, uh, Senator, is that he had an illegal firearm. If it was an average American, they'd probably throw the book at you. It didn't He's not even getting his, his wrist slapped for that. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not even uh, going to plead guilty to that charge, is my understanding. He's going to plead guilty to a couple minor tax charges like Al Capone, and then they're going to have a diverted prosecution agreement um, on the uh, felony charge of the gun crime. But I think it's also somewhat ironic that this is an administration that's always demanding new gun control laws, that we confiscate weapons from law-abiding Americans, uh, who are trying to defend themselves um, while the president's own son is getting off scot-free on a gun felony charge. Hmm. Okay, so I want to ask you the, the most important question on my mind this morning, and it's the reason I I called your, uh, your folks at work for you and said, can you set up a time that the senator could come on? And uh, they did, and they, they, they agreed that this was an important question. What are we to make? about this uh, aggressiveness from the Chinese government that uh, they're going to open up a military base on Cuba? Well, Dave, Dave, what we should make of it is it's a grave threat uh, to our national security. Um, You know, for as long as uh, there's been in America, back to colonial times, our statesmen have been concerned about the control of Cuba. It's only 90 miles from Florida. It can uh, be a staging ground against the continental United States. It controls the sea line into both the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Basin. And then, of course, in modern times, it becomes even more serious with missile technology. Uh, so Cuba could put, or I'm sorry, China could put missiles on Cuba that could strike much of the continental United States, to include Arkansas, in, in just a few minutes. Uh, there'd be much less warning. Uh, it's a very provocative step forward. The Biden administration uh, should not allow this to happen. Um, I mean, in some ways, you could say this is similar to what happened in the Cuban Missile Crisis. You had John F. Kennedy 
appeasing and conciliating and granting concessions uh, to Soviet Russia for the first two years of his administration, and then he acts shocked when Soviet Russia takes the provocative steps of trying to put nuclear missiles there. And then John, John F. Kennedy gives away the farm. Uh, he lets Russia dictate terms to us. You know, so we'll no longer try to overthrow Castro. He can put it, the Soviets can put anything they want in Cuba as long as it's not nuclear. And then meanwhile, we took our nuclear missiles out of Turkey. So I'm very concerned not only that Joe Biden let it reach this point, but also what kind of secret concessions he may be granting to the Chinese communists to prevent them from going forward with this military base. But again, this is much, much more dangerous than a mere eavesdropping station, which is bad enough, Dave. Uh, this is a potential military base where Chinese missiles and aircraft could be based, posing a severe threat to our national security. Well, you you were for former military, and look, Mao is the one who said power comes out of the end of a gun. So we better be paying attention to what China's doing there in Cuba. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. I mean, in the end, uh, military force is the ultimate reckoning power in international relations. Um, we don't want to ever have to use our military, but we have to have the preponderance of power to deter aggressive adversaries like communist China or like the theocrats in Iran uh, or like Vladimir Putin. And we've unfortunately let our military atrophy somewhat. And especially, uh, I'm, I'm most especially worried about this new debt ceiling deal from a couple of weeks ago that puts severe caps on our military that is simply not going to provide the resources that we need for the troops, the aircraft, the ships, the weapons uh, to defend ourselves, much less to support our allies. So you were on the tip of the spear when you were over in, you know, in Iraq doing your work back uh, several years back. Did you have any uh, any fellow uh, unit members who were wearing dresses while you were doing that? <laughs> no, Dave, I, I did not. Um, and I think I know what you're referring to, which is the increasing number uh, of flag officers that we have who seem to be prioritizing um you know, the sensitivities of, um, I, I'm not sure exactly what it is to say, 2SLGBTQIA two, two question sign plus mark. That's right. Uh, persons, I guess. Um, when what we should be focused on, like a laser, is preparing our troops for combat uh, in the hopes that, that they never have to face it. But as you know, Dave, as a veteran yourself, the old line that the more you sweat in training, the, more, the less you bleed in combat. And that's the sole focus that our military leadership should have. Yeah. I, I This whole wokeness thing in the Air Force bothers me exceedingly. I was an Air Force. I'm an Air Force vet. And I saw that the uh, chief master sergeant of the Air Force uh, had a few things. She had a few things to say about it the other day. And it gives me hope when I hear the chief master sergeant of the Air Force say, this is crazy. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is crazy. I can tell you it, it's throughout the services. You know, the the men and women with whom I served my time uh, in the Army are, are now taking over battalion command, taking over brigade command, and they see it. I'll, I'll just give you one anecdote. Uh, one uh, commander said, you know, I, I am forced to ensure that 100% of my personnel, to include those on leave, to include those on terminal leave, about to leave the Army, have to take a healthy sexuality briefing. And what? My higher head, yeah, exactly. And and Dave, it's not healthy sexuality like our grandparents had in uh, World <laughs> War II. I I'll, bet. I can assure you of that. Um, 
but my higher headquarters is tracking that on a spreadsheet. And they've got every name in my soldier, and they've got a little red or a little green box next to his name. Um, they are tracking every name, of, the name of every one of my soldiers, and whether or not they've completed a basic shoot, move, and communicate live fire exercise. So, what do you think? I and other commanders can have to spend our time focusing on what my higher headquarters is tracking on a by-name basis or what they're not tracking. But which one of those is more important for my troops to be ready to fight when tonight? It's incredible. You know, I, I think back of when Dr. Strangelove came out and I went and saw that movie and Slim Pickens was, they're going to crash in Russia and he starts talking about their, their, uh, their box that has all their necessaries to survive and one of the things that he pulls out is one unused condom. You know, and uh, <laughs> now it's you know that, that now you look at that and it's not funny anymore. Yeah. Now I, I will say this, uh, Dave. The fortunate thing is that this can be turned around pretty quickly. Um, you know, we're in the middle today of writing the annual defense bill. We started yesterday. I think we'll finish later today, if not tonight. And there's going to be some incremental gains there. Um, I expect an amendment uh, that I propose that would cap to pay for all diversity bureaucrats that what an 03 makes is going to pass. I proposed a similar amendment last week in the Intelligence Committee. It caps the pay for all diversity bureaucrats at the CIA at what a new clandestine service uh, recruit would make. So, you know, those are, that's the heart of the CIA. Diversity bureaucrats shouldn't be making more than what they do. Um, all that can be done legislatively, but in the end, all it takes is a change in leadership in the White House and the Pentagon. Um, and a simple directive by the Secretary of Defense that and we're going to back focus, solely focus on training to fight and win our nation's wars. Right. Um, I, I'm very confident of that, and that's one reason why it's so important that we win back to the White House next year and get a great new leadership team at the Department of Defense. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. We're back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Ryan Norris, the uh, chairman, head potentate of the uh, – Americans for Prosperity chapter here in Arkansas is with us today by phone from Washington, D.C. And uh, I hope that you've been showering at least twice a day to get that kind of greasy feeling off of yourself. Dave, I found the earliest flight I could today so that once we conclude our business, I can get back to God's country in Arkansas. I understand. I understand that when I go up there. As much as I like looking around and seeing the monuments and things of that nature, I want to get out of there as fast as I can. So what are the big stories that are going up as, uh, up there in Washington, D.C., as far as you're concerned? Yeah, well, I mean, right now, Americans for Prosperity, we have uh, 39 chapters in the United States, and uh, we are all up here as state directors talking to our different members of Congress and and talking to them about the fixing the budget, about unleashing abundant energy, about health care and lowering the cost of health care to citizens. And uh, so it's been a full court press with me and my fellow peers and colleagues to say, hey, we've got to do some things to get America back on the right track, particularly with its budget and spending. So that's been the big push. And the good news is that with among those that we're talking to uh, on, on the Republican side, they're all in line with with this with these ideas, such as Senate Bill 772, Responsible Budget Targets Act, which is just like, hey, the simplicity is let's at least set a target for how we're going to start reducing our spending over time. Right now, there is no real ceiling. It just keeps on going up and up. Well, let's at least set one and say in this period of time, we're going to 
have this be the cap, and we're going to start walking things down from there. Um, the Senate Joint Resolution 19 principle-based budget, uh, balanced budget, which is basically can we set a principle for spending, which is simply we need a balanced budget, balance budget, and then put th- some triggers and things. In general, uh, some of the biggest spending items have come from the emergency funds that we think that we need to spend, such as like the COVID dollars that came out. Well, this would put in place, say, well, if we believe it's an emergency, that's fine, but we need to have a mechanism to pay that money back as soon as possible. Uh, and this kind of sets that as a standard. And then the brinksmanship on government shutdowns. Can we set something up in place? Uh, Senators James Lankford and Maggie uh, Hansen have a bill out there, S-135, to say, okay, look, let's quit this politicizing of the debt ceiling. Let's set a standard by which this, you know, we can continue to operate, but during the time of that operation, to have good conversation about how to how to decrease that spending to where we're not having this over and over again. Because, as you know, they start holding things hostage or talking about how it's going to negatively impact the military, Social Security, etc. Well, this would set a, a principle and put in place rules that said. No, we won't allow those things to necessarily happen, so that takes those off the table. And then we can get to talking about actual and real reforms. So let's talk about that a little bit. Are those, uh, is that a Republican and a Democrat that's uh, proposing this piece of legislation? Yes. You'd, you'd be surprised at how bipartisan some of the talks on budget are. And I think those are signs that when we just continue erratic spending that even constituents who don't vote for republicans are reaching out to their members and saying i can't afford the inflation that government spending is creating in my life anymore be it in energy be it uh, in my grocery bill and so we're actually seeing an open-mindedness among a contingent of democrats around getting uh, getting a hold on budget and spending at the federal level. So that's actually a good, bright spot that, that has kind of popped up. I was real, actually rather surprised about as I've come up here to D.C. this time. So with that piece of legislation just hanging out there, how many co-sponsors are on, are on it thus far? Very many? Uh, I'm not 100% sure at the moment. Uh, I don't have that right in front of me. But it's, a, it's growing, and we're all up here talking to both Democrats and Republicans about signing on to that bill. And uh, we've had more openness to it than than those that say they would be opposed to it. So uh, I take that as a good sign. Yeah, I mean, we we made some uh, a little bit of um, a move towards the goal line where we want to go dealing with the president here a few weeks ago. And I I know there was a lot of people say, well, there's not enough spending cuts. Well, there were a few and that's more than what we had been getting. So. Uh, if we can add on to, you know, a minor win like that with something a little bit more major, we got something maybe going on as far as momentum goes. Yes. Well, yesterday we had the privilege of having House Majority Whip Tom Emer speak to our group. And he was talking, of course, about the, the difficulties of trying to uh, govern from the, from the legislative House side with such a slim margin on things, but that... What they're finding out, again, is that there is a growing appetite even among Democrats for, for reforms. And he's, he was a little bit optimistic about how things can proceed into the future because we're getting to the, the edge of the cliff. It's not, you, you and I talk often about 
whether we're going to go off the cliff at 100 miles an hour or 75 miles an hour. But I think they're seeing that the cliff is in sight now. And and they're not really potentially wanting to go off that. So if we can bring reasonableness, get some of these bipartisan uh, efforts together around budget, all Americans win in that because a safety net or your favorite pro, pro, uh, program from the government will mean nothing if we can't pay for it. So they're all kind of realizing we're getting into that uh, that crisis area where our our debt is just getting to be insustainable. Well, yesterday. Shift was, uh, you know, they they got him, and uh, you know he's been he's been towed by the the Republicans, and uh, they've mm-hmm. told him that you know you're you're in trouble now. He's running for for Senate, you know. How what's the tenor been like in Washington about that? I mean, sometimes when things like that happen, it gets very tense amongst Democrats and Republicans. How were how was that uh, that whole well, recusal? How did it all that work out? It, it's still, you know, it's still a tense thing. Uh, even if you know that your party member is wrong, you're still going to kind of circle the wagons when, you know, when possible. However, all, all of that said, it goes back to what uh, what uh, Whip Emer was telling us yesterday. They have got to uh, gain back a policy majority in the House and in the Senate. We've got to have that in 2024. And, uh, you know, Americans for Prosperity is already out there knocking doors finding out people's dispositions on the policy issues and finding out what matters to them. And all the things that matter to them are about inflation, cost of living increases, that their quality of life is actually decreasing, not increasing, that there's a whole generation of young Americans coming up that have a very dim view of their prospects here. And so all of these things, the, the, the party politics as usual, if policy champions that care about our country will stay focused on that. There are people now willing to really listen because we're, the House is, is more than on fire, Dave. The, the flames are in the room with each and every one of us, and we've got to get this, get this solved. Okay, so, so 20, 2024 is going to be a very big, important, important time for us. So what would you tell the Republicans to how – how should they, they uh, fashion out their messaging as we go into another election year? Well, they can look at what they've already started to do, such as such as uh, HR one, um, which is about energy abundance and about unleashing the potential of the American uh, energy here that we depend too much on on you know OPEC and and outside foreign energy that is not necessarily always reliable. They're not always with us po- uh, politically or regarding our foreign policy. And that we have the ability to sustain abundant energy here doesn't mean that we don't also trade for energy, et cetera, et cetera. We want an all of the above approach. But I had a conversation with a young lady in Pine Bluff just a few weeks back, and she said, hey, energy abundance, what's that about? I said, it's an all of the above approach. We want n- nuclear. We want a solar, we want wind. We want fossil fuel. And she said, well, I'm glad to hear that because when President Biden says that, that he wants me to buy an $80,000 electric vehicle i can't keep my minivan my late model minivan running and she was not a constituent you would normally think is concerned about energy but she understands that cheap energy keeps her family out of poverty and keeps them able to have a better quality of life and she there was a disconnect there between her and who she said she normally supports when you know politically so i think energy i think that you know how do we get more money 
to the family so they're not making terrible trade-offs between food and medication and all of the other things that they're trying to do to improve their family's quality of life. Very good. Very good indeed. Uh, let's go ahead and get a break in, then we'll come back and finish up. I know you got some meetings this afternoon. Uh, did, I hear, did I hear correctly that you and Congressman Womack were supposed to be meeting today? Yeah, we're actually on our way to uh, meet with uh, Con- Congressman Westerman and then Congressman Womack, Congressman Hill, and then Senator Bozeman. Yesterday was with uh, Senator uh, Cotton and with uh, Congressman Rick Crawford. So we're meeting with all the delegations, talking to them about what we are learning at the doors there in Arkansas so that they're well-informed about what Arkansans care about. All right. So let me bring, come back here in about three minutes, and we'll talk further. And uh, and then when you get close to Westerman's office, you just let me know, okay? Will do. All right. Let's take a break. It's Dave Ellswick's show. Our guest is Ryan Norris for Americans for Prosperity. He's the state chapter chairman. Uh, again, he's meeting with all the the movers and shakers in Washington, D.C. Coming up at uh, 10 o'clock, we're going to pay back our interview that we did with Senator Cotton this morning. Uh, you want to hear what he has to talk about that military base on Cuba. We talked about that. We talked about wokeness in the military. We talked about Hunter Biden and this deal that he's cut and how this just smells really bad for most Americans as far as uh, equal, uh, you know, law enforcement going on in our country. And then at uh, 1035 will be Bob Ballinger will join us. He is uh, defending uh, this gentleman who is preaching on the streets of uh, Batesville, was arrested, was charged, and uh, we'll bring you up to date on where that's at at this time. Let me get you up to date on what's going on with Pat Davis and how he's saving you money. Going to save you 30 to 50 percent on the premiums that you pay for your health insurance. 30 to 50 percent. Just take a look at your premium. Take off, uh, let's just say, take 30 percent. Go low. Go go really conservative. And then multiply it by 12 and tell me how, and just in your own mind, figure out how much money uh, you'll be able to save if Pat Davis is helping you out. And on top of that, remember that Pat Davis has no co-pays and that Pat Davis will reduce your deductibles as well. So if you're a single guy or if you're just a small family, you're going to save probably thousands of dollars a year. If you're a small business, you'll save tens of thousands of dollars a year. This is a a way that you can take control of your health care decisions and costs. You can call or you can uh, uh, text one 501 605-6935. That's 1-501-605-6935. And talk to somebody right now about how you can start saving money right now. I mean, I'm talking about today, in this minute. So uh, get to it. Save yourself some bucks. Uh, yourhealthplanman.com is on the Internet. You can visit them there. That's yourhealthplanman. With us here on the Dave Ellswick Show, we talked about energy just a moment ago. Uh, Ryan, I like you mentioned all of the above as far as energy, you know, fossil fuels, uh, hydropower, wind power, sun power. And you mentioned nuclear power. 
where is that stand right now with the American public? Are can they understand that nuclear power isn't Three Mile Island now? Yeah, well, you know, it, everybody is understandably a little, you know, skeptical about nuclear power. We've used it in weapons. There's been Chernobyl. There's been Three Mile Island, etc. But the technologies have come along so much that it's a very safe. It's a very, uh, uh, you know, environment-friendly way of of doing uh, doing our energy now. And so it, it is an option, and it doesn't have to be, again, the only option. I think that what we get in trouble with is when preferences are legislated to where we say we don't want fossil or we don't want wind or we don't want nuclear. So that's why Americans for Prosperity says we're not trying to tell you what you, what, what you have to do. We're saying you need abundant energy. You need cheap energy. That's what keeps us uh, able to move forward and keep our cost of living low as possible is that when energy prices go up, that affects food, that affects transportation, that affects every aspect of your life. All those costs get baked in over and over and over, meaning that it's more difficult for us to provide for our family. But, yeah, with nuclear days, I think that, that there's so much new with the technology that we need to take away some of these uh, old prohibitions on it and look at start doing some really scientifically based analysis as to where we could start using more nuclear in the United States. Don't just go start throwing them up, you know, like gas stations per se, but do take some analysis, some time, be thoughtful about it, but find out where it's safe to do it, to where uh, we can connect to the grids, where we can update our grids to, to actually take in this new power. Because even the administration said with their electric vehicle targets, the grid is not able to sustain what they want to do, even in their perfect state where everybody's driving an electric vehicle. Yeah, it so would have to come up with something. It would seem that they're going to have to bring the grid up to snuff before they even worry about adding in more power. You've got to have the grid that can handle that power, and they've got all that to deal with. Last question for you. You're going to be up there. You're going to talk to Westerman. I'm talk, I'm, I'm, since it's 4th District, you're going to be speaking about farming, and you'll be talking to Bozeman today. You'll talk about yes. farming. What are some of the things that you're going to talk to them about, and then I'll let you go? Well, of course, you know, uh, energy is very important to farmers. They need the ability to have fuel to keep things running on the farms and such. So energy, again, is a, t- is a top-tier issue. Um, the, you know, when it comes to agriculture, there's a lot of barriers that have been place, put in place. There's a bill uh, currently, I want to say it's into the, the SPUR Act. I mean, it might be it. Uh, I may be slightly wrong on it. But what it's about is it says, you know, the EPA, the FDA, all of those, they shouldn't be allowed to immediately take, a um, make pass a regulation that has hundreds of millions of dollars worth of impact without first getting with Congress. Actually, it's the RAINS Act. And uh, this is being talked about this week. Uh, so that is something I think that farmers should be aware of, because when you have government bureaucrats in just the executive branch, they're able to, as a pin, you know, with the flick of a pen, basically, uh, and very little input, uh, make decisions about you and your family's farm that is impacts you negatively, but your elected representative hasn't had the ability to have your voice heard on the issue, that's wrong. And so that's where we're supporting uh, the RAINS Act and, uh, and saying that if our, our, you know, we want rep- representation when it comes to taxation, be that taxation in literal taxes or be it in ways that they take money from us by eroding our ability to do our work and to keep our livelihoods. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that yesterday. 
uh, or uh, yeah, yesterday with Westerman, uh, Christy Gnomes, uh, the governor mm-hmm. of South Dakota, was in front of his committee, and that's exactly what she was talking about. All right, let you go. I know you got to go see the Congre- couple congressmen and the senator today. Good work. We'll uh, catch you when we can get you again here in the studio. All right. Thank you, Dave. Always good to talk to you. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. So that was Ryan Norris here on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. See, I heard I'm, – I'm listening to other things going on when he's talking to me. Did you hear the ding? They they had ridden the elevator up to, this, to this, the floor where Westerman was at, and he was getting off the elevator. So I knew I had like two minutes left, and so – I got that last question, so he could answer it. There's a lot of stuff going on right now in Washington, and it's important to have people like uh, Ryan Norris and his group, Americans for Prosperity, pushing sensible economic programs, farm programs, energy programs, all of the above programs uh, to keep things uh, going in the right direction. All right, we'll take a break. We'll take news. And then when we come back, my interview earlier this morning with uh, Senator Tom Cotton, we're going to play that back for you. And then uh, we'll talk about it uh, as we finish up uh, listening to it. A lot of interesting uh, concepts in his answer. And on top of that, uh, in the last half hour of the show, it's going to be former state senator Bob Ballinger He is in his capacity of a lawyer now uh, taking care of a gentleman who was arrested just for preaching on a street in Batesville because uh, the city didn't like that he was uh, preaching against uh, the the whole thing with uh, LGBT and whatever, you know, try to make a word out of it, plus plus, folks, as far as uh, the homosexual community uh, goes. ACL Director of Law and uh, Policy and joins us. You'll remember a few weeks ago we talked about uh, an individual up in the uh, or down, yeah, up in the Batesville area who was preaching on the street and uh, was approached by someone and was told to stop. He didn't. He kept preaching. Uh, went home, was at home and uh, was visited by the police at his house and then he was driving to work one morning uh, here this year, and he was arrested uh, for what he did. Now, the uh, the trial of that is, uh, I, I don't know if it started or it has started, so that's why we have ba- uh, Bob on. He is the, the lawyer uh, for the gentleman. And, and, Bob, bring us up to date what has happened now. Yeah, you, your assessment was right on, and so if you're paying attention, Dave, um, and th- thank you for letting me, ha- let me come on. So we, we had trial on the 14th. So this is in district court. So if this makes it to circuit court, it may last longer than a day or at least a full day. We essentially had a half-day trial in district court. You know, I feel so sorry for those folks in district court. You know, the the uh, public defenders there, and you know, just all of the inmates, and it's a it's a mess. You know, just you know, very busy. And then right in the middle of it, we had our trial. Okay. But, uh, but but the trial went well. I mean, like everything, you know, I, I couldn't have asked for things to go more smoothly and, and frankly, for for the, the plaintiff's witnesses um, to make our case for us, um, that, that essentially it, it came down to this, is that Jeremy's preaching style, it's not what he said that is, is offensive or or causes harm or, or, or annoys. 
is how he says it. So um, apparently he comes across too angry for their taste. And so essentially what they're wanting to do is throw him back in jail because of his preaching style. Uh, oh, you're kidding. I mean, come <laughs> on now. Who are these people that are are witnessing against him? Well, so the, the two witnesses against him were the one person who confronted him when he was up there preaching um, and, and came out um, and you know tried to stop him from doing what is constitutionally protected speech. Um, and then the other person is the owner of the establishment, which, which for the first time I heard, and she couldn't recall any of the specifics, said one time that she had had a personal interaction with him. But Jeremy doesn't recall ever having a personal interaction. The real problem was he was standing in front of her business when it was closed and was preaching about her activities. Okay, so the business was closed. He's not hindering anybody from going into that business or whatnot. He's standing on a public sidewalk, and he's preaching. The judge should have thrown this out of the court immediately. He should have, and so we made a motion to dismiss, um, which didn't get ruled on until right before the trial, and he he, uh, ruled against us, which, you know, at that point, the the prosecution put on their case. I mean, he should have, based on the law, thrown it out, but at the same time, you know, I didn't expect that to happen. So then we made a, a after they presented their case, we made a, a motion for a directed verdict, which basically renewed the motion to dismiss. Say, look, the prosecution put on no evidence that he did anything that was outside of his his First Amendment protected activity, you know, religious expression and speech. And and uh, and then he ruled against us there, and then we rested our case, and then essentially he just is took it under advisement. So um, gave us the opportunity to provide more case law, which I briefed it, and I mean, I don't know how many cases, probably 40 cases, 50 cases that establish his rights. And then on top of that, even the statute itself, what it says is that, you know, if you are if you do this activity with the purpose to annoy or alarm, and, you know, you do this repeated activity that could cause, could cause alarm for no legitimate purpose. So, so if you wanted to save the harassment statute, and make it where where the harassment statute is not unconstitutional. What you say is any any constitutional activity is a legitimate purpose. And there's actually Supreme Court language that makes it real clear that evangelizing in a location is a legitimate purpose. So that actually deals with a loitering statute. But the Constitution specifically says that if you're standing preaching, that that is a legitimate purpose and is not a violation of a loitering statute. Does the judge not know that this makes him like look like a dimwit? Well, let me say this: that it's a district court judge. So the district court judges get overturned on a regular basis. And, and like I like I said, and I, I don't want to be in the position of defending what I think is the, of the indefensible, but to some extent, he has all of these cases that he's dealing with, and this is just one of the many cases that he's dealing with. And so it is. It, it's you know, public defenders, a lot of really great, smart ones out there. But when you throw on them so much that they really can't deal with one individually, um, it makes them not a very, very good counsel. And and the same thing with the judge when he's dealing with so much. And and honestly, I think he's probably a product of that community. And the, the people with power and influence in that community want to see Jeremy punished and and shut up. I mean, that's just just the reality. They they're, they're annoyed by him, and they don't want to see him engaging in that activity anymore. Okay, so now the. This this trial took place the fourteenth. Here, yep. here we are. What what is what's today? Today's the twenty fourth. Today is the twenty second. 
So 22nd. happy anniversary of uh, life being protected in, in Arkansas. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, too. I'm going to get some information from you on that. But the bottom line is, is this, is we've got X amount of days since this this went to eight days now. Yeah. And uh, the end of the month is next week. Is yeah. he even giving you an idea when he's going to make his decision on this? Yes, actually, yesterday um, we found out that the 28th, He's going. He has at least scheduled it to issue his ruling on the 28th, which, uh, talking to the prosecutor, he expected it to be weeks and weeks and maybe months before we heard anything. You but then it. yesterday, I, you know, I found out from the court that he has scheduled it for for issuing a ruling on the 28th, which I appreciate. It. At least, at least we'll know then whether we have to appeal for di- to district court or whether whether you know we can we can put at least the criminal aspect of this case to rest. Well, I'll tell you what. You let us know what goes on. And uh, because uh, if you have to appeal this for some reason, which you shouldn't, I mean, it should be dismissed. But if you ha- if he he's, if he's found not guilty, which he should be, uh, and then it's over with, uh, let us know if there's if there's outstanding debts that uh, the the defendant is going to have, or if he's going to have more debts because he's got to go further into the legal system. Please let us know so that yep. we can make uh, people aware and we can help out. Well, we appreciate that. So what, what we're trying to do is, is store up as much funds now so that if we do have some expenses associated with his civil trial, because we are, we're going to file a 1983 claim. You know, he has been a night in jail. And, and when you, you know, when you go to jail, it, it is a not, it is a humiliating process yeah. to go through it. And, and he went there and spent a day in jail, you know, Risk, you know, got got rode up at work, went went through all of that um, because of the fact that he was exercising his constitutional rights. So, so you know, we will be filing a 1983 claim, and so we'll we'll just need to have enough money put aside that if we have to spend some money through that during that claim, that we'll have it there. But but other than that, I you know, I feel and, and it, it it may not even be us filing in ACL. We may actually work with some of our partners um, in order to do that, either ADF, First Liberty, one of the other groups that uh that take on religious liberty cases so that the resources will be there to uh to really do it and do it right so Boy. anyway we're we're not sure yet but honestly i'm i'm uh I, I you know i feel really good about about his his legal his criminal case coming out right i don't feel good about it coming out right in the district court um i, I think there's a good chance that that either either i mean we're going to lose if we get anything besides acquittal right so if it comes down he tries to split the baby, give, take it under advisement, and you know let it drop off his record. I don't think he's going to accept anything less than just a just a straight acquittal. Well, you tell him not to accept anything but a straight acquittal. That's crazy. What's yeah, going, well, this is so this is against the Constitution. I, I can advise him, but but one of the things is it's it's hard because there's still you know there is a guy there that it is very disruptive to his life. I appreciate the fact that he's willing to take it this far because they've offered him a, a settlement that, that essentially do the same thing. And he's willing to, willing to continue to press on. Good. Um, but, but ultimately it's my job to represent him. I appreciate that this could be such a big, big fight in the cause of Liberty, but, it, but my interest has got to be conformed to his interest, mm-hmm. not necessarily big policy across the world. So, I got you. Okay, that's enough on that. You keep us in touch. We'll expect to hear from you uh, next. That would be probably next Thursday, wouldn't it be? Yeah, if Wednesday, well, we could we can talk on Thursday, but next Wednesday is when we should get the decision. Well, we'll 
I'll tell you what, you can give us a call right after the decision, if you would, and we'll talk about it right here on the Dave Ellsworth, if it's in the morning, uh, okay, and yeah. we'll talk about it. All right, yeah, with that said, this is the, the first anniversary of the uh, overturning of uh, Roe v. Wade, and uh, Bob, did you ever think that you'd be alive to see this happen? I mean, the answer is yes, but I also thought I'd be an old man sitting in my rocking chair. I mean, I, I really felt like we were moving this direction, um, but I did not expect it to happen so quickly. And I mean, I, seriously, it's just a just a just a blessing. I mean, it, it, God does amazing things, and and I feel like a year ago He did it. Do you think that the left? I mean, they're still making a big deal of it. But there are those people now that are understanding that the left lied to them when it first was overturned, that abortion, as they knew it, was going to be illegal across the land, and they found out, no, it, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's more nuanced than that. No, you're exactly right. That's why, that's why NACL is, is, is so important. I mean, there's two, two roles that, that we're working on. One is we have to constantly be vigilant because people want to write in enough exceptions to swallow the rule. And we saw several bills in Arkansas last year that, but by virtue of the exception, we would have legalized abortion in Arkansas um, that, that thankfully never made it out of committee and they, got, they all got killed. Um, but across the country, it's still very legal in a lot of places. And then some places have some restrictions that, like, like we had passed in Arkansas prior to us banning abortion um, that we had, we had, you know, changed the weeks and so forth. So, so across the board, um, there's still a whole lot of work to do in other states in order to uh, – to work on saving babies is is the big work now the the, the work about the pills uh, so that is certainly it's where most abortions are happening is through the chemical abortion process one thing that we did in arkansas that i thought was was brilliant and every state should do it um, until they completely ban them but is is educating people about the reversal and there's been a lot of babies saved because people after taking the pill um realize what they've done and and become aware of it and go go through the, you know, take the medicine that takes to reverse it, and we're able to save their babies. Um, and so, you know, at a minimum, people deserve to have that education, and that should happen. But but honestly, we should see that, you know, the the, the ban in, in uh, other places. And, and so, you know, one of the things that you run into is those pills are easily um, transferred across state lines. And so, you know, it's really hard to, to police the that process but it, it is criminal in arkansas to uh to utilize chemical abortion all right bob ballinger one of my good friends as well as a great legislator a good lawyer and now working with the folks at the national association of christian lawmakers he's the nacl director of law and policy giving us the latest update on this uh, case up in batesville and uh, remembering uh the great movement a year ago when Roe v. Wade was uh, overturned. Thanks a lot, Bob. Have a great day. Thank you for having me, Dave. Appreciate All right. it. Talk to you later. All right. Don't forget about Asset Protection Wealth Management, LLC, 11300 North Rodney, Parham Road, Suite 320. We're going to have the owner of that business on next week. Uh, Gary Garrison will join us in studio for an hour. Uh, I'm telling you to go and have a free consultation right now with him to talk about what you need to do about your retirement, your retirement. Everybody's retirement is different. So you got to make sure that what you set up is going to be the best for you 
and your spouse and your family as far as retirement goes. You may be approaching retirement. You may be in retirement. And your questions are going to be probably changing depending on which two areas you're in. Get really good advice from Gary Garrison. Make an appointment, a free, no-cost consultation by calling one 225 9045 That's 1-501-225-9045. And uh, I'll tell you when Gary's going to be on so you can listen in and ask questions live right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. That's uh, Asset Protection Wealth Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.